emotions of Christmas. So that's uh, our series for Advent. And Advent, I love that first song because it's like, Jesus came, but he's coming. And I don't know about you, but that's about all that gives me hope right now, is the fact that I know he's coming. And I know what's coming when he's coming. And uh, oh, that'll be glory for me, right? When by his grace I will look on his face, that'll be glory. So I'm really, really excited about that. We're going to get after the emotion of love. Love is maybe, <laughs> I don't know, hope is cool. Joy is good. Peace, want that. But love overall, right? And the Bible even says that, doesn't it? It says, above all these, love. It says that love covers a multitude of sins. It says that perfect love casts out fear. And we're living in a world full of fear. So love is the thing that if we could get our arms around, would really, really, really help us move forward this Christmas. So, title of the message today is Love for Jesus, My Calling at Christmas. I'm calling you to love this Christmas. I just want to be clear. Jesus isn't calling you to love. He's not like, hey, you should love. He, he's, no, I want to be clear. Like, I'm not Jesus. So the title of my message is My Calling at Christmas. But the title of God's Word and what He's saying, in, uh, if you want to open your Bible to uh, John 15, it's, it's a commandment. It's, it's the commandment. Love. And so, love for Jesus, my calling at Christmas. And uh, I thought about just coming up and, you know, saying love like a bunch of times till you're really annoyed. But um, I think that would have been a good example of, um, you know, I love this, I love that, I love, you know. And I could do that and you'd get sick of it. I just want to use this. Like, at the end of our service, we always close it with, you are loved. At what point when we closed the service did you no longer feel like you were loved? Because you're like, we, we say that every week. It's just a formality now. Right? I mean, just think about it. So you can kind of get worn out on words. People say, well, I love you. I love that. Remember what we used to say when we were kids? If you love it, are you going to marry it? Remember that? I mean, come on, who was... Who's old enough to understand what I'm trying to say right now? Yeah, okay. A few older people. Sorry. Um, but if you love it, marry it, right? We used to tease each other about that. Anyway, love can get its welcome worn out. And uh, so Romans chapter 15. No, sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Not Romans. John, Romans 15 is amazing. It's all about hope which I preached last week, but John chapter 15. So what's, what's interesting and hard for me right now is I'm preaching an Advent series from John the, the, the last um, hours of Jesus' life, and I'm going to turn around, and in January, I'm going to preach John 15 and 16. So I've got to be careful not to step on my toes right now. I want to focus on love, okay? 
and keep, keep out of the way. So here it is, John chapter 15. Let me just read it to you from the beginning. I'm not going to preach all this, but I think context is king, and so let's, let's read it together. Um, John chapter 15. And by the way, I did get that up online, so if you're following along on your phone, you can uh, look at the outline and everything there as well. So, okay? So it's on there. Finally. Sorry, I forgot. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now, if you remember last week, we took communion, and you have communion with you. We took communion when we talked about that uh, foot washing and that being clean. Being clean, when he says, already you're clean, he's like, you don't need to be saved again. You just need your feet washed. You just need to confess and return. Okay, that was how we took communion last week. Hey, time to confess some things, time to wash our feet. We're clean again. Okay, that's great. We're going to take communion a different way because it has a lot of uh, different angles and meanings. So we're taking communion a different way today. So he says, hey, you're clean. Because of what I said to you, because of what I've spoken to you. And then just get the next three words. Because this is key. Abide in me. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're here, you want to know what three words you need to focus on in your life? Abide in me. How do I abide in Jesus? That ought to be your lifelong pursuit, right? Right? Not getting better grades on a test, not, you know, who am I going to marry, kids, you know, like, or what job am I going to have next if you're in college or, or, it's like, the thing is abide in me. How am I going to abide in Jesus? Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do, everybody said? I think everybody knows that phrase. But apart from Jesus you can do nothing. All right. That that means you can't love. I just want to be clear. Apart from Jesus you can't love. Not the way he's talking about love, not agape love. You can't love that way apart from Jesus. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. I just That's really clear. Okay, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and that withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown to the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Now, our food for today. You got the context. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I kept my Father's commandments... And abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that, you that my joy may be in you 
and that your joy may be full. Now, the joy thing, we're going to get to that next week, all right? So I'm not going to spend too much time on that verse, but there's one phrase from that verse a little bit later. This is my commandment, that you love one another. Maybe you understand why I say I'm using the title calling, but Jesus is saying, I command you. Command is a strong word. If you look it up, it's obey. It's like, obey me. I command you. So, And these are his disciples. He's already proved his love to them. He's already washed their feet. He's already gone the distance. But he's commanding them, you need to love. That you love one another as I have loved you. How did he love them? Remember last week? Some of you guys weren't here last week. Last week he loved them by washing their feet. It says that in chapter 13. Chapter 13 says, verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour, that's the cross, had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He washed their feet. Then it comes and he says in verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? Kind of rhetorical since he follows it up with a thing. He's like, hey, let me tell you what I did for you. Okay, I want you to understand. He says, you call me teacher. This is key to our message. And Lord, it's authority. Teacher, Lord, Rabbi, Lord. And you are right, for so I am. I love it when he uses those words. I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you this as an example, that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than him who, the one who sent him. Servant, messenger, that's important to our text here. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. All right, now, just one more thing. Cross the page. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's verse 34 and 35. Okay, back to chapter 15, setting this whole thing up. This is my commandment. It's not just a suggestion. It's not just an example he gave. Okay, it was an example. He said, do you understand what I'm doing? I'm your master. I'm your Lord. I'm washing your feet. You know what you should do for one another? You should love one another like that in a servitude, in a, in a sacrificial, unconditional, supernatural way. Okay. Now he says, not just example. He says, this is my commandment. That you love one another. That's the new commandment. As I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Do you think they understood what that meant then? I don't think so, but I think they got a good picture when he was hanging on a cross, dying for them. Or maybe it was three days later when they saw his hands and feet 
or went to the empty tomb and were, John says, I believed. <laughs> Maybe it was then. But they, they're going to get that. And I think each of us is going to get that at some point in our life. We're going to be like, oh, you died for me, Jesus. That was greater love than anything. You are my friends. He switched it from servants, from messengers, didn't he? You are my friends. Friends, intimate. It's, it's, it's different than a servant. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. I did two chapters ago. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But now I've told you. What did he tell them between chapter 13 and 15? Can anybody tell me? I think this is key. I think this is really key. And I think we lose this. What did he tell them between chapters 13 when he was like, yeah, like this, love, new commandment. And Peter's like, well, I'll die for you. And he's like, will you really? You're going to betray me, right? Remember last week? But then he goes on and he starts talking about, no, oh, you can have hope. A couple more questions from Philip and Thomas. And then he unveils something. He unveils something huge. That's going to take you from a servant to a friend. This one thing will take you from religion. I mean, you might be saved. I was saved. But I was still serving Jesus. I was like a servant, a slave to Jesus. I came, I followed the rules, I did everything. He, like, that's, yeah, that's good. Not great, but good. But there's something greater over here is friendship with Jesus. And what's in between? Have I belabored it long enough? Has anybody found it in chapter 14? It's the Holy Spirit. That's it. He's like, hey, you know, before we talked servanthood, and you guys followed close, and I kind of told you what to do, but no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. I've told you everything. And not only that, I told you I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he'll tell you more. He'll reveal to you what I've already said, and he'll give you more. He's going to open it up. He's Just ask him. How many times in, in Matthew 14, 15, 16, does he says, just ask in my name and I'll do it. Right? This Holy Spirit thing is a huge thing. And there's just something there that just keeps catching my attention. I'm excited to get to January and teach it more. Um, but it's key. And you'll see it in the illustration we have. Everybody have one of these? You guys all wondering what this is? Did everybody grab one? Oh, man. If you didn't get one, you're going to need one. So if you want to slip out and get one, it's great. Otherwise, you can grab one on your way out, I guess. But, like, holding it in your hand is going to be really cool. No, just kidding. So, all right. Just, you're going to need one of these before you leave, all right? You got to have one of these before you leave because you're going to get it. You're going to get it when we wrap it all up. You did not choose me. That's a good reminder. You don't choose him. He chooses you. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So this is like a circle, right? I chose you, Josiah, abide in me. 
That's your goal. When you abide in me, I'm anointing you to go. You get that? When you go, guess what? You're going to bear fruit. When you bear fruit, guess what your fruit should do? Should abide in me. Guess what? When they abide in me, I'm going to tell them to go. And we're going to anoint them to go. When I anoint them to go, guess what? They're going to bear fruit. And this is a circle. It's going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening. Nobody should get sick of this. Abiding, being anointed to go, going, actually bearing fruit, and having your fruit abide. So that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you love one another. These things I command you so that you love one another. We're on topic with love. One last thing before I say, say what I'm going to say. All right, here it is. Verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. So love is important. But in order to understand love, biblical love, you do have to understand hatred. I don't know if you've felt any hatred from the world or not. But I think hatred is a thing. And if you're not feeling it from the world right now, you got to ask yourself, because it's about as polarizing as you can get, you got to be asking yourself, if I'm not feeling hate from the world, do I really, am I different than the world? Does the world see something different in me? Because Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me, before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you. I just want you to know that that word love there is a different Greek word than any of the other words I'm going to use in love. They would love you. Phileo. Like, hey dude, I love you. Not agape love. Love you as its, as its own. And because you are not of the world... But I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Okay, now, I just think right now in this very hard time in our world, it's good to know where you stand. Jesus is making it clear the world will hate you because they hated him. So if you're like him, they hate you. The world will persecute you because they persecuted him. Don't be alarmed by that. I mean, don't be put off by it. Like Jesus said, our master said, it's going to happen. So I think our response then isn't to be more like the world, right, so that they don't hate me. Our response is to love one another and even our neighbor as ourself, right, so that they can see a difference in us, okay? I kind of look at it this way. Love God. Love your neighbor as itself, right? And then he comes out with a new commandment because you could hang the whole Old Testament on these two. He comes out with a new commandment, and the new commandment is right here. He's like, love God, love one another. Everybody will see it, and believe me, love your neighbor as itself. It's 
So now you have three different kind of things. Love God, love one another, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? All right. Got it? Cool. Okay. So let's get to the first point. I'm just going to have two points, and I'm going to have you write it down on this little ball right here, because these points just kind of go round and round and round and round. Like, you just, once you do this, you do that. Once you do this, you do that. Once you do this, you do that. It just keeps going around. So you can throw it on your tree and spin it. That's kind of how it's supposed to work, okay? Now, the first thing is stay in love. Now, I'm not going to have you write the whole point down right here. I'm just going to have you abbreviate it. Stay in love. Stay in love. Stay in the love of Jesus. Because you're like, stay in love. Well, what kind of love do you mean? Well, I mean agape love. That's what I mean. I want to be clear, right? Stay in agape love. That's a love that you could only learn from God. I'm not going to be able to get to these passages. I wish I could. But if you'd like to know, look at 1 John chapter 3, about verse 7 and following. And then look at 1 John chapter 4, about 7 and following. All right? And right in there, I'm not sure if I'm exactly right, but you'll see it. You'll see the headings. It talks about love, and it talks about how we know Jesus' love and how we know what kind of love to be because of Jesus and how love is tangible and not just like foo-foo, right? All right. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. Stay in love. All right, now, how many dads do we got here? Raise your hand if you're a dad. Okay, I know who you are. You're like, why do I got to raise my hand? I don't know. It's some kind of servitude thing. You got to, like, obey your pastor. No, I'm just trying to get you involved. If you fell asleep already, like, mom, hit him a little bit, and he'll slide out. Oh, hey, how are you? <laughs> He's calling on you. What do you need? <laughs> it's all good. Here's the thing. I never knew love until I had kids. I thought I did. I thought I like, oh yeah, I got love figured out. I love my girlfriend, wife now. Six years later, seven years later, we have kids. Noah's born. That taught me love. There's something about that. A father's love or a mother's nurturing love that's deeper than any love. Kids, you'll just have to take my word for it for now. It's something deeper than any love honestly I've ever experienced. And Jesus uses that. A father's love. My father loves me. Do you remember how his father told him he loved him? Remember when he was baptized? What did he say? Hey, world, this is my son. This is Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Dads, when's the last time you looked at your kid in the eyes and said, man, I'm so happy with you. I'm so pleased with who you are. Not even what you do, just who you are. Think about it. And then he comes back at the transfiguration. Remember that? 
And he says almost the identical thing, except for he adds one thing. He says, hey, this is my son, my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That's what he says. He's like, let me add something. Listen. Here it is. He says it. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Stay in that love. Remain in that love. Abide in that love. Okay, now. How do you stay in the love of Christ? And that really begs the question, right? It's like, how do I stay in love with Jesus? Some days I love him, some days I don't. Some days I feel like he loves me, some days I feel like he don't. He loves me, he loves me not, kind of thing. Or I'm getting a lot of blank stares like, it's not like that for me. I think you're lying with your eyes, because I can't see your face. I think we all understand what that's like. To kind of wane, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. The reason we put a Bible reading plan on your seat today is because January is coming. And one of the ways I know that I feel the love of Jesus and I abide in his love is to read the scriptures. I mean, if I'm not feeling loved, I just go read the scriptures. Honestly, that's what I do. If I'm having a hard time, if my wife and I get in a fight, you're going to find me reading the scriptures. Because that's where I'm going to feel the love of God. Something different I've discovered. Prayer. And praying in the Spirit. Like, if I don't feel loved, I just go to the Spirit and I start praying. <laughs> and I feel loved. Right, now, I want to do communion today. And I want to do it different than last time. Last time we, we took communion and we were kind of like, yeah, you know, confess your sins. And I think that's all good. I think you need to do that. But you know, sometimes you come to the communion table and it's remembrance. It's celebration. It's the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world and He saved me already. And He covered my sins, past, present, and future. You're going to sin this week. Guess what? It's already covered by the blood of Christ. Amen? That's awesome. I think in this world, the way we live, we're like, ah, did it again. I'm like, get up. Look in the mirror or look to God or do something and just go, Jesus loves me. He didn't stop loving me when I did that. And remember what he's already done for you. Right? That didn't change when you sinned. So today I want to take communion in celebration of the fact that God loves me. He loves me. He loves you. You don't hear it enough. You don't know it enough. Jesus loves you personally. You. The Father sent Jesus so that you would understand his vast love. Right? Greater love hath no one than this than somebody lay down their life for you. And I think... Communion is a way to stay in that love. 
It's a way to remember, Jesus loves me. He already died for me. His body was already broken for me. And I'm going to take this in remembrance of him. So let's take it, okay? And let's take it in celebration today, okay? You could take communion in a lot of different ways. You can take it with your head between your legs, and you're like, oh, this is so hard. I'm such a sinner. Great, there's times for that. And you could take it in victory and be like, God is awesome. He already paid the debt. I'm going to live in that victory, and I'm coming to the table in love with God because he loves me so much. Let's take it that way, all right? All right. His body broken for us. This do in remembrance of Jesus. His blood spilled for us. This do in remembrance. Celebrate that he's covered your sins and that he's going to continue to cover them. You can't lose your salvation. Let's drink. Father, thank you for sending Jesus Christ, your son, I pray that we'll stay in your love, that we'll accept it. Thank you, God. And thank you for the Holy Spirit that you send to remind us often that you love us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right. So this is uh, next. What's that? No, 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 no. No, I got another point yet. These guys are antsy. They're like, you got 17 seconds. I'm going to sing you off the stage. You know Brent used to do that? Literally. We can all have a chuckle right now, right? Brent used to be like, all right, it's time to be done. Start playing. I love that guy. I miss him. All right, so here it is. Here it is. I want you to look at the next verse, and I've belabored these verses If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in your love. Here's the thing. It looks like a conditional love, does it not? What is the word? Verse 10. What is it? If, right? If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love if, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Great. I think we should focus on abide rather than the if, right? It's like, if. It seems conditional, does it not? And so I think we come to church and we go, well, if I'm a good boy, if I'm a good girl, then God loves me. And I want you to flip that frown upside down because here it is like it's just stop emphasizing the if if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love the fact that you can even abide in his love is astounding right the fact that he's given you the commandments and that you know what they are is loving Right? It's not a condition of like, if you do this, I'll love you. We know this from Romans 5 8. 
But God demonstrates his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you need some more affirmation on that, go to Romans 5 and read the first 11 verses and see how the Holy Spirit is building in you a love in a, in a, in a way, you know, when you were ungodly, he was already coming for you. Rather, as you obey me, this is the way we should read it, as you obey me, stay with me, you will feel my love more and more. That's how you read it. The more you learn, the more you stay, the more you remain and abide in that love, the more you'll feel love. It's like, don't get out. Don't wander off. Don't grieve or quench the spirit. Keep abiding. Stay in the circle, so to speak, and let God show you more and more how much he loves you. Jesus stayed and lived in God's perfect love. He'd never sinned. We do sin, so it's hard. We kind of get out of the circle, right? And then we're like, oh, I don't feel love. Okay? I want to prove this for you. Okay? So he never sinned, so he always felt God's love. Until, until when? There was a time where he didn't feel God's love. When was that? On the cross. What do you say? You go back and read through it, and it's astounding how he comes to this spot, and he's like, my God, my God. After three hours of darkness, okay? I want you to just go back and read it. After three hours, from 12 to 3, it's been pitch black on the earth. Why? Because the sin is so overwhelming. He's taking the sin of everybody of all time on himself right now. That ought to cloud some things up. It's pitch black for three hours. And at the end of the three hours, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the first time Jesus didn't feel like he was loved by God. And I've gone on record as saying God did love him. He just didn't feel it. Right? Because God's love for Jesus is unconditional. He didn't feel it because he was outside the circle for the first time. And we get outside that circle, and then we're like, God doesn't love me. He does love you. Come back. Stay in the love, okay, of Jesus Christ. All right, I think I've made my point. All right, stay in love, and then this, share the love. Share the love. Okay, so this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I think I've covered that. You are my friends if you keep my commandments. There it is again, but I think I've proved to you it's not about a condition it's more about your position, right? It's more about where am I? If I'm way out here, outside the circle, I don't feel very loved. He still loves me. I'm just a long ways away from feeling it. You get back here, you're like, oh, he loves me. This is amazing. All right. All right. And then he says, I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you to go, right? That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you these things I command you 
so that you will love one another. So this is the new commandment. Again, we have the old commandment, right? The Old Testament. Jesus says here, let's put it up on the screen so you can see it. Jesus says in Matthew 22, he says, again, the Pharisees are like, oh man, the Sadducees just got it handed to them. We better come back with a rebuttal. Jesus is winning. And one of them says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Okay? Bam. Pillar number one. Okay? Then he says in the next verse, the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Boom, two pillars. He sets them up for you. Then he comes in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, and he says, I have a new commandment for you. These aren't going away. This is going to remain. I came to fulfill the law, right? Not abolish it. But in fulfilling it, he gives us a new commandment. He says, love one another. And if you love one another, other people are going to see it, and they're going to be changed. They're going to believe. They're going to see that you're like me, that you're my disciples. Okay, so when I say share the love, you got two parts to that, right? Stay in the love is this. It's God. I love God. But share the love is two parts. It's us in a gathering, sharing the love with one another, other people seeing that we're meeting one another's needs in love and going, whoa, I want that. And then it's also being loving your neighbor as yourself. If your neighbor's sick, bringing them some soup, right? Or mowing their grass if, they, if you can. Or doing something that you would want done for you if you were in that situation. All right, you get it. So share the love, all right? Now, I think the application on this, and I just want to say it quickly, is because I think you do a little heart check here. You're like, I think I'm pretty good at loving. I love people. I think I'm good. I'm an A, right? Well, what would you grade yourself? You know, you kind of get like that. It's a, so like whatever I think. Okay, I want to give you these three things. I want you to test yourself real quick, okay, in how you share the love. This is it. I love people more than ever before. Is that true? I love people now more than ever before. I want you to think quantity. Do you have a vast, deep, Love for people. Quantity. Okay, two. I love more kinds of people than ever before. I want you to think here diversity, right? I, I love different kinds of people more than I ever have before. Is that true? Right? This last one. I love over longer periods of time than ever before. And I want you to think endurance. Is it true of you, as you share the love, that you love people that aren't lovely, that are in your life, and you can't, you won't, don't want to get rid of them, right? And it's like, I love them for longer periods of time than I've ever loved them before. So think quantity, think diversity, and think endurance, and test yourself to see if you're sharing the love of Christ with others. All right? All right, I think I've missed a couple things, but I'm sure we'll gather it back up and get it after it. Um, 
Here's what I want to say. At the end of it all, this is your illustration. You take it home with you. You can hang it on your tree. All right? If you don't like it because it's hideous, that's fine. It's your handwriting. Or maybe you got one of Todd's. Todd's got, this is pretty cool. I don't know. If somebody wants to wrestle with me for this one, you can have it. Like, on one side it says, stay in love. Stay in the love of Jesus. This is what we need to do. This, this is our calling for Christmas. This is it. And our calling card ought to be love. Okay, stay in the love. And then this, share the love this Christmas. Share the love of Jesus with one another and with other people that are around you this Christmas. It's harder, I feel like, than it's ever been to share love. It's harder. Because you might bring cookies to their door and they might be like, dude, offended, you know? Like, it's COVID. Why would you do that? I don't know. We just have to follow the Holy Spirit. We just have to follow the Holy Spirit. And when he says, that person needs, this person needs, that person, you can meet this need. We just have to do it and just expect the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. All right? So that's the key. The middle of this, there's a few clear ones, but the middle of this, you can't see it. Can you? But there's something in there. So I want that to represent the Holy Spirit. Because the way that you're going to stay in the love and share the love is the Holy Spirit. So that inside that you can't see, right? Even if you have the clear one, you can't see anything. It still works. That's the Holy Spirit. Abide in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. Abide in Jesus' love. Stay in the love and share the love of Jesus. You got that? You can take this home with you. You have a constant reminder to abide. And that's what I was going for. All right? All right, let me pray. Father God, we're so grateful that you would meet with us today, that we can have love because you are love, that we know what love is because you've sent Jesus Christ to love us. God, help us to love one another like we've never loved one another before. <laughs> help us to love one another with agape love, this supernatural, sacrificial, unconditional love that you've modeled for us. Thank you, God. And may this just simple ornament be a loving reminder to each one of us to accept your love. Jimmy, I want you to throw that last slide up, the accept it slide. Right before we sing. I sense the need to um, just let you sit in here a little bit. Have you accepted it? That Jesus loves you. That the Father loves you. That the Spirit loves you. That the three in one, the triune God, he loves you. I think it's worth kind of sitting on, feeling. So I want to encourage you to accept it. God loves you. He's your Father and he loves you like no one else can perfectly. Jesus lovingly paid the price for your sin. We took communion today. I felt that. <laughs> I'm going to feel that every day. It's true. 
all the time. The Holy Spirit lovingly leads my life now. If I let him, he'll lead me. He does it lovingly. Do you accept that?